0: I'm Brett Chang.
1: And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Thursday, May 5th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in about seven minutes. Brett, I had a relatively superstar sighting the past couple of mornings near where I dropped the kids out from school. I have been running into Steven Del Duca. He doesn't know who I am, but he is uh, running to elect Liberals in Ontario, and I see where he is every morning as the Liberals regroup for their campaigns of the day.
0: I'm disappointed. I thought you were going to tell me you were seeing like Austin Matthews or somebody, like a real superstar, <laughs> not, not a provincial politician. Nope. But yes, it is provincial election season. And so we're just getting it kicked off. The writ has dropped. Signs are going up as we speak. It's hard to say who's going to win. I will say Doug Ford is in the And so, you know, as of right now, but, you know, we'll keep you updated as, as we get through the campaign. There's some interesting policies being announced. There's $1 transit by Stephen Del Duca. There, you know, Andrea Horvath has a provincial tax freeze on income tax. That's kind of interesting. Doug Ford's building a lot of stuff, so I don't know. It, it should be an interesting election.
1: Well, if you combine Doug Ford's last campaign with the Liberals' this campaign, you can have your dollar beer as you ride yeah. transit to work. And then, what's happening actually in the city of Toronto? We weren't going to talk about this, but they're about to pass a bylaw that you can drink in parks. I believe. So no, this summer, no. yes, yes, they are.
0: Oh, I will be blown away i will eat my hat jay if they do that
1: well we're gonna make you you and i are gonna meet for a beer in <laughs> trinity bellwoods and record the podcast when this all goes down and do it freely brett aside from beer in parks in toronto maybe and a provincial election on the horizon what do we have for peak pals today they've just been saying it for the past decade
0: for our first story uber everywhere for our second story held to account and for our third story new subscribers
1: For our first story, if you've been waiting 20 minutes for Ubers lately, and I have, Brett, we don't have great news for you, everybody. Markets are trying to connect the dots on the future of ride sharing as Uber doubles its revenue from last quarter, including rider demand rebounding and the company's food delivery beating records. But Lyft, on the other side of the ledger, their weak earnings outlook has dragged both companies' stock prices down. Both Uber and Lyft shares are down 7% and 33% respectively, as we record this podcast. And it doesn't seem to be letting up. Brett, this is like your area of expertise. What is going on with the ride-sharing industry?
0: Yeah, for those who don't know, I used to work at Uber. But this actually reminds me a lot of, we talked about this a few weeks ago, of how Netflix's earnings brought down Spotify, despite them being very different companies. And I think this is a very similar situation. But so what's kind of happening is ride-sharing, it kind of loses its appeal when you're stuck outside of a restaurant for 20 minutes. And as we get back into the world post-pandemic, Both companies are working to address persistent driver shortages, not to mention high fuel prices and new COVID variants. All of those have pushed up wait times and prices. And now Uber has a bit of an advantage over Lyft on this because of their Uber Eats business. They've got a bigger network of labor to draw on and try to address the shortage of drivers. But Lyft, on the other hand, they have to pay out incentives to attract new drivers. And that's going to be costly, which wouldn't be so bad if the company hadn't burned through $6.8 billion over the last 17 quarters. So Jay, why do these earnings reports matter?
1: That's a lot of money over not that many quarters. Well, Brett, it takes weeks to get new drivers onboarded, but people want to take rides like now. That's why they use Uber. And the average US per ride prices were 37% higher than last year at the same time, meaning that customers may have to exercise their patience, brace their wallets, or switch to old school yellow cabs or I guess, dollar transit in Ontario soon.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't used a cab in forever, Jay, have you? Used a cab. Montreal, no. I used one in Montreal. It was pretty good.
1: Yeah, I have not. It's I'm uh, sorry to say, except from the airport, but that's a different kind of thing, like they're waiting for you.
0: Nothing to apologize for, Jay. And the bigger picture on the financial side is neither Uber or Lyft have posted a net profit ever, but Uber claims to be cash flow positive or expects to be cash flow positive about a year from now. And without a food delivery business to lean on, and with driver incentives yet to fully roll out, Lyft definitely can't say the same. So we'll have to see what happens. For our second story, Canada has become one of the first countries in the world to hold crowdfunding platforms the same reporting standards as banks for large or suspicious transactions. Okay, Jay, I've got a, I've got a suspicion that this is something to do with the trucker protest from a few months ago. Do you want to give the Peak Pals an update? Ding, 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 ding,
1: ding. That's my sound effect for You Are Right, Brett. As a follow-up to some of the temporary reporting measures invoked by the Emergencies Act during the truck convoy protest, about a 1,000 payment and crowdfunding platforms like GoFundMe will now have to update their compliance programs, enhance identification requirements, and report suspicious financial transactions to FinTrack, the government's money laundering and terrorist financing watchdog. I, I really like that
0: Brett is right sound. I think we need more of that in the pot. ding, now, ding. Tr- ding. <laughs> Exactly. Now, transactions that pass a $10,000 threshold in a 24-hour period would have to be reported, along with other donations deemed subjectively suspicious, which in turn could be flagged by the police. Now, there were many transactions of this nature during February's Freedom Convoy, which raised, I, I can't believe this, tens of millions of dollars on the platforms GoFundMe and Give, Send, Go. What's kind of interesting, Jay, is that this is this is a first. I, I think we're almost like, like Canada's on the bleeding edge of policy around this issue. But why should Peak Palace really care?
1: Well, the government sees crowdfunding platforms as emerging areas of risk for terrorist financing and is looking to get ahead on the issue. However, it will cost these actual platforms 18 to $20 million over the next 10 years to get on board with the new regulations, which is a steep price tag that could discourage some of these platforms which mostly handle campaigns for charities or people in need of medical procedures, from actually operating in Canada. And for our final story, thanks to boosts for recent acquisitions, the New York Times added 387,000 net digital subscribers in Q1, bringing its total subscriber base to 9.1 million. Brett, that is a lot of subscribers. That's something to it emulate here at the peak how did the new york times get there
0: yeah 9 you know 05 million <laughs> to go but so they got there through the sports site the athletic which actually it ate into the paper's profit so they lost 6.8 million over february and march but it gained 16,000 net new subscribers in the two months since the new york times acquired it for 550 million dollars meanwhile and this is something that's close to your heart jay the internet's <laughs> favorite word game wordle It actually helped drive millions of people to the New York Times and led to an increase in subscriptions
1: to their other products, NYT Games. These days, a newspaper can't just report the news, and New York Times realizes this. With a business strategy that aims to sell people bundles of subscriptions that give them access to a wide range of content, like Product Reviewer Wirecutter and New York Times Cooking, which reached over a million subscribers last year, including our own household.
0: Yeah, I use it too. It's actually, it's pretty exactly. good. But here's the thing. The New York Times still ended up missing revenue estimates, partly due to the fact that digital advertising growth was slower than expected. While readership increased as more people wanted to keep informed on Russia's invasion of Ukraine, advertisers avoided placing ads close to these stories, which were often on the front page. They just didn't want to get involved in the whole thing.
1: Yeah. And Brett, here's why the New York Times big subscription push matters. The New York Times wants to become the essential subscription for every, every english-speaking person seeking to understand and engage with the world which likely includes you if you're listening to the peak daily as the biggest subscription news service in the world with the most resources at its disposal to match it it isn't afraid to spend big and sustain some losses in order to chase this lofty lofty goal peak pals thanks for making us
0: the most listened to and only daily canadian business news podcast in the country
1: if you've got a second why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review
0: And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode.
1: Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, by the time we come back and people listen to this podcast tomorrow, which is Thursday, the Leafs will have played game two. So I'm going to say it so you don't have to. Go Leafs, go.
0: Go Leafs, go.